Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Today we are continuing with our series entitled Overcoming Faith. We are doing part five. The subtitle is Examples of Faith. Let's read our foundational scripture once again, which is taken from 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, as I have mentioned, this is our fifth week, and we are continuing on the same theme of overcoming faith. Last week, if you were not present for one reason or another, the message has already been downloaded uh, or uploaded, I should say, to SoundCloud. You can get hold of it, part four, Overcoming Faith. And we looked at how David exercised his faith and he went against the giant and defeated him through faith in God. Now, we saw how David released his faith as he faced the giant through the spoken word. We have seen and read over and over in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17 how David continually spoke words of faith. Even before he stepped onto the battlefield, his mouth was speaking the word of God. Now, before he even faced the giant, the battle was already won in David's heart and in his mouth. You know, many times the battle is won by the words we speak and by the thoughts we think. And many times when we allow fear and doubt to creep into our hearts and minds, we already defeat it. We already lost the battle. But David understood the law of faith, and before he even faced the giant, he spoke words that were filled with faith and confidence. In fact, he said to Goliath, This day I will take your head off of your shoulders, and all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. Please understand that faith that David was only about 16, 17 years of age, but he was strong in faith and he allowed his faith to speak and to act on the words that he spoke and received the victory before he stepped into the battlefield. Now, scripture says in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, and if you have your Bibles, turn there with me, please, and let's look at this verse of Scripture together. Romans 10, verse 10. <clears throat> Romans 10, verse 10. 
It says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to realize the tremendous power that our words carry. We have authority in Jesus. Our words carry authority and power. We have been authorized in Christ, according to the Word of God, to speak words that give life or death. It's our choice. Scripture says, and we're going to look at some of these verses, that our mouths can defeat us or put us over in life. Our mouth can impoverish us or cause us to enjoy abundance in the Lord. Your mouth can keep you in bondage of sickness and disease, fear and doubt, or your mouth can heal and deliver you. Please read carefully some of these verses that I'm going to give you in order to prove to you what I'm saying is the truth. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11. I want you to find those verses in your own Bible and read it from your own Bible, underline them, and see them with your own eyes. Proverbs 10 verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Let's read that again. Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Please note that it does not say death and life is in the power of God or in the hands of God. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We can speak words of life, and faith, and confidence in the Lord, or we can choose to speak words of fear, sickness, disease, doubt, and oppression. It's our choice. Under whose words we're going to live? Look at Proverbs 12, verse 6b. Proverbs 12, verse 6b. But the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Wow. This, this is a great revelation. Once you understand the power of words and you realize that the words you and I speak have power over our lives, we're going to straighten out a lot of things that we say. 
And a lot of things we're not going to say anymore. Probably for a few days we have nothing to say until we get into the Word and find out what God's Word says about everything in life and speak those very words. So the Word says that the mouth, your mouth, will deliver you. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2. I'm giving you several of these verses because by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the Bible says, every word will be established. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2. You are snared with the words of your lips. You are caught by the speech of your mouth. Here, the Word of God tells me that I can ensnare myself or trap myself or imprison myself by the words that come out of my mouth. So we need to pay careful attention of the words that come out of our mouth. Someone said we need to pray for a crop failure. And some of the words we have been speaking were not in line with God's Word, but in line with our fears, with our feelings, with what the politicians say, and on and on and on. Let me say this. In the study that we've done last week, we saw clearly that words filled with faith coming out of David's mouth triumphed over the words filled with fear and death that came out of Goliath's mouth. You know, someone said, you cannot shut the mouth of the devil. He's going to rattle and speak and spew words of doubt and unbelief and fear to make you panic, to make you doubt the word of God, to tell you that God doesn't love you anymore, that you are abandoned, that he hasn't heard your prayer, and on and on and on and on. You, you can't shut his mouth, but what you can do, you can resist him with words of faith. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible says, the devil like a roaring lion, walking around, seeking whom he may devour whom resist steadfast in your faith. We need to resist these thoughts. We need to resist these words by words of faith that we will speak. That's how David defeated the Goliath. Now, it was not physical strength that prevailed that day on the battlefield between David and Goliath. It was not even combat experience that prevailed. But what prevailed was overcoming faith, which was exercised by young David. Here we see, and I want us to really pay attention to that, we see a spiritual law in manifestation. And this is the law. Faith-filled words dominate the law of sin and death. Faith-filled words dominate sin, fear, sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. And that's what we see here manifested. The Bible says that faith is a law. Every time faith is applied, it brings the same results. And the law is, 
when you fill your words with faith and confidence in the Lord, you will be able to overcome the laws of sin and death, the laws that govern sickness and disease and even poverty and lack. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 1 please. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. This is the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, how is this law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, released and exercised on our behalf? One of the ways that we release this law is through the words, faith-filled words that come out of our mouth, and faith-filled actions. When we act on the word, the law of life is released. When we speak words of faith, the law of life in the Spirit, in Christ Jesus, is released in order to set me free from the laws of bondage, of sickness or disease, or whatever the devil may try to put on me. This is a spiritual law. It works every time you put it to work. Just like you get into your car, you put in the key into the ignition, you turn it, it always works. It doesn't work sometimes and sometimes it does it works. It always works. Amen. When it's connected to the battery, when all every wire is rightly connected, you turn on the key and the engine goes roaring. That's a law. A law is something that works every time you put it to work. Another law for instance is the law of gravity. I don't care what you believe, you may say, "Well, I don't believe in the law of gravity." Well, you may not believe it, but it still works. Get up on top of your roof of your house and jump and see whether it works or not. Gravity will take you down because it's a law. It's a natural law. So it is with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The way this law is released is by the words of our mouth and by the actions, our actions on the word of God. It's important for us to have a revelation of that. So, when it comes to living and walking by faith, we cannot emphasize enough the value of speaking words of faith and words of life. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 6, the words that I speak to you, they are what? They are spirit and they are life. The word of God contains spiritual life. And when you receive the word of God in your heart and you believe it, and you open your mouth and speak those words, you're releasing life to yourself, to your body, to your mind, to your finances, to your children, to your spouse, and to all those that you are praying and speaking words of life. Amen? That's how this law is released. 
Therefore, that's why the book of Proverbs says that we must put away from us a disobedient mouth. A mouth that speaks words that are not in line or in agreement with God's promises to us. Amen? The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 11 or 29 verse 11, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to bless, to prosper you, and to give you hope and peace and not to harm you. God, Folks, God is not against us. He's with us. He's not out to get you. He's out to bless you. And we need to give him something to work with. And God says, I watch over my words to perform it. If we're speaking words that are not of God, God has nothing to work with. You see, God is a spirit. The devil is a spirit. Our weapons are spiritual. They're not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not guns and bombs and grenades. They are spiritual weapons. And so the word of the Lord says, God himself says, I'm watching over my words to perform them. If you're not giving God words of faith, he has nothing to work in your life. If you're giving words of fear and doubt and sickness and disease, then you're giving plenty to the devil to work in your life. Both God and the devil use words. Amen. God, the devil has no authority over you and I, except the authority that we give him. That's why Paul says, give no place to the devil. Devil cannot touch you. He's not authorized to do that unless you give him that right and that authority. How do we do that? One of the ways we do that is by allowing fear and words of fear and doubt to come out of our mouths. Remember what Job said in Job chapter 6? He said, that which I feared the most has come upon me. Did you hear that? Job said, that which I was afraid of has come upon me. That's why 365 times in the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, God says, fear not. Every time an angel of the Lord comes on the scene, the first words that come out of his mouth is, Fear not, fear not, fear not. Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't want to receive or speak anything that doesn't come from God, because we're not from the earth, we come from heaven. We receive things from heaven, not from the devil. And you need to resist him by words of faith. When fear comes to the door of your mind, you say, Fear, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I resist you. And then quote the word of God. For my father has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I refuse to accept it. I refuse to believe it. And I refuse to think or speak words of fear. That way you shut the door in his face. Amen. Just like God uses faith to bless you, the devil uses your fears to hurt you. Amen. Praise God. Now, 
That's the example we have seen. We won't be able to finish our, our lesson today. We'll pick it up next week. That's what we've seen last week when David went up against Goliath and defeated him with words and actions of faith. Today we're going to look at another example from the New Testament. And this example or this miracle is recorded in the, in the, in the Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read verse 25 to 31 and verse 33 and 34. The Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 5, verse 25 to 31, and verse 33 and 34. Now, we will look at this example in the New Testament of a certain woman who, having this, uh, this overcoming faith that we're talking about, exercised her faith and received a miracle of healing from an incurable blood disease. Let's read and pick up from verse 25 of Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now please notice the order of events as Mark records the healing of this woman with the issue of blood. Here we see a woman who had a flow of blood, the Bible says, for 12 long years. Not only that, the Bible says she suffered many things from many physicians who experimented on her trying to find a cure without any apparent success. All her finances were depleted on these physicians that were trying to cure her. She was not only physically and emotionally bankrupt, but she was also financially depleted. So you can see the situation. This was a hopeless situation that this, this poor woman found herself in. Now the first thing that took place in the life of this woman was to come in contact with the Word of God. The Bible says she heard about Jesus. Well, you may ask, what did she hear about Jesus? 
the Bible says that during that time, the fame of Jesus spread all around the towns and villages. The word about Jesus, who healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people, reached her ears. She heard the word of healing, that Jesus could heal my incurable disease. Now, when she heard the word, faith came into her heart. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by praying. So don't waste your time praying for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by crying. Faith doesn't come because you have a need. You can cry and, and weep and beg, but faith will not come unless you hear the word of God. You've got to come under the ministry of the, of the word of God, under the teaching and the preaching of the word, because faith comes into the heart by hearing. It's through your ears that faith comes. Amen? So, faith came into the heart. She believed that Jesus could heal her. Now, there's an important lesson for us to learn here from this woman's life. Hearing the word is the first step in receiving anything from God. Because faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. Some people believe that if they see enough miracles, they will believe. That's not true. Otherwise, the Bible would have said so. Many saw demons coming out of people in Jesus' days. They saw the sick healed, yet they never believed. Because faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. Amen? So, the next thing we see is words of faith coming out of this woman's mouth. She said... She spoke and said, If I but touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now that's faith. She released her faith. What she did not realize is that she put the law of faith into motion. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus was set in motion by the words of faith that she spoke. She released her faith through the words of her mouth. Do you see that? She heard, she believed, and she said. Now, remember, now Jesus is surrounded by many people. They were throng, he was thronged by a multitude of people, and it was not easy getting close to him. The Bible says, Mark says that she pushed her way through the crowd and got close enough to touch the hem of his garment. She didn't only say words of faith, she acted on what she said. The Bible says that faith without works is what? Yeah. It's dead. So it's not enough to say words of faith, you must act on those words of faith. The action and the words we speak release 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in order to set us free or to bring us our miracle. That's how faith works. Now, remember, it must have taken some courage and a lot of effort from this woman whose life was being drained from her through the loss of blood. Every day she had an issue of blood. Can you imagine how weak she was? Do you think it was easy to leave her home and to get out into the street, get to the place where Jesus was and start pushing her way through the crowd? It wasn't easy. But her faith, her courage picked her up and she began to push. I am sure she must have heard many a mouth saying, Woman, what do you think you're doing? Stand in line. She was so determined. This is her faith. She not only spoke, but she acted on what she believed. She said, if I get close enough and touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made well. Well, she was. The Bible says that as soon as she touched, listen to what the word says, immediately, immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus asked, who touched my clothes? There were many touching Jesus that day, some out of curiosity, some that were pushed on Jesus and they touched him. But there was a special touch that day that came from this woman. It was the touch of faith. Jesus knew what had happened. The Bible says because that he felt that virtue went out of him into the woman. Let me say this. Faith, the power of God is a tangible force. And it is often felt. It's like electricity. You can't see it, but you see the effects of electricity all around you. And if you ever get to touch it, you will certainly feel its power. And the Bible says, The woman fell before the Lord trembling and told him the whole truth. And Jesus responded to her by saying, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Please notice what Jesus said to her. Your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't say, God made you well. He didn't say, my faith or my power made you well. He said, your faith made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So we see here in this story that is recorded by St. Mark, that once again faith triumphed over an incurable disease that tormented this woman for 12 long years. And one moment's faith released her from that disease. Now Jesus, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, he's the same today and forever. When we give God faith, he's able to do the impossible for us. That is why Jesus said, all things are possible to them who believe. Who is he that overcomes the world? He who believes. 
that Jesus is the Son of God. All of us believe that Jesus is the Son of God. All of us have this God kind of faith within our spirits. But as I said before, it's one thing having the faith, and it's another thing knowing how to use it and exercise it. And that is why we're doing these lessons, teaching you how to release and exercise your faith for whatever you need. The Word of God says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. What do we desire? Healing for our bodies. Deliverance and salvation for our children. Financial miracles is all in the hands of our faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Amen? Now, because we have communion today, I want to leave this, this teaching here. We'll pick it up next week because there is more valuable lessons for us to learn when it comes to the subject of faith. We will take communion and for those of you who probably are on for the first time, visitors or whatever, it is our custom that once a month, on the first Sunday of every month, we give an opportunity to those who have been blessed and ministered through the Word of God to bless the ministry that has blessed them financially. So it is the time where we worship God, not just with our songs and our praise, but with our financial assistance. So we bring our tithes, our first fruits, our offerings to the Lord, and we give thanks to Him. Now, we're going to do that before we receive communion. And just to prepare our hearts, I want to share a couple of thoughts uh, around, this, around this area. Please bear with me as I find my notes. Um, okay. I want us to read in preparing our hearts. Remember that Whatever we do has to be done in faith, in the right attitude. Amen? So, faith comes by what? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So what we're going to read is from the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Malachi 1, verse 6 through 8. Listen to what the Father says. Now, God is speaking through His prophet, and he's speaking to his people. And he says the following. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar... But say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Now, let me say this. Honor... The way the Bible defines honor is something more than just words. It is an attitude of the heart 
which carries with it both spiritual and natural substance. So, when we speak about honor, we speak about something that has weight. It's not just empty words. Lord, I honor you, or I I respect you. It carries with it both spiritual and natural substance. So in the above verses we just read, God the Father addresses His people. He's talking to His people by correcting them for not giving the honor to Him that He deserves. How did they disrespect Him? Well, what we've read, it says they disrespected Him by offering sacrifices not acceptable to Him. Instead of bringing at the altar the best of their offerings, they brought the sick, they brought the blind, and they brought the lame. Animals that were to be, they were, I don't know, they were second best, third grade, instead of giving God the best. In doing so, the Lord says they showed lack of true honor and disrespect. To honor someone, according to the Bible, is that to highly value and esteem them, value the worth and esteem them in your life. One of the primary ways the Bible says that we honor the Lord is through the principle of first fruits and tithes. In the book of Proverbs chapter 3, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. So that's one of the ways that we honor the Lord. So today, as we say, this Tithing Sunday in our webinar outreaches. It is a day we set aside that we honor the Lord by bringing our first fruits and our tithes to Him. In doing so, according to the scripture, with the right attitude of heart, with faith in our hearts, we saying to the Lord the following, Father God, we value you and we honor you in our lives. We acknowledge you as our sovereign Lord from whom all blessings flow. We come with a heart filled with gratitude for being our provider, for being our refuge and our protector. We come to you today in the name of Jesus and we present our gifts to you as a token of honor, respect and obedience to your word. You see, when you bring your substance, you also bring, remember, words, words of faith. You give money to man, but you give faith to God. How do you give your faith to God? By releasing words of faith and honor. And that's what we're doing. Don't just drop your tithe and no, do it consciously. Do it with faith. Do it with words of praise and honor to God. Because that is what God delights in. Amen? The attitude that goes with it, the love that goes with it, the faith that goes with it is received by God. I mean, God doesn't want money in heaven. The streets are made of gold over there. What, do you, what is He going to do with money in heaven? Money is needed here on earth to do His work. But we give money for the work of God 
and for the ministers of the gospel to do his work, but we present to God words of honor and faith and love and say, Father, we honor you. We value you in our lives and we give you praise and thanks. Do you see it? Amen. Now, at the same time, listen to me. When you bring your first fruits and your tithes and place them into the hands of the person who ministers life to you through the word, you are saying to that person, I value you and I acknowledge your worth in my life by giving honor to you. Please note, this is very important. You're not giving honor to an organization. You're not giving honor to a ministry or a church but to a person who represents the Lord in your life. And when your shepherd, who watches over your soul, who prays for you, who teaches you and equips you with the Word of God, receives your gifts in the name of the Lord, and he lifts them up to the Lord with thanksgiving, he then pronounces... The blessing of the Lord upon you, releasing over your life God's favor and blessing through His promises. And finally, when these things are done with the right attitude of honor, respect, faith, you can expect the blessing of the Lord to work mightily in your life. Malachi chapter 3 says, You will walk and you will live under an open heaven. People around you will see and acknowledge the favor and the blessing of the Lord in your life and give praise to God because they see the blessing evident in your life. So briefly, I just wanted to share that with you, give you a further understanding what we're doing so that we don't do things out of a religious habit. We don't do things just because the pastor said so or or uh, uh, out of duty, or out of compulsion. This is a token of love and honor that is presented to the Lord and to those who work in the vineyard of the Lord. So let's receive what we prepared. Some of you are doing it by internet, some of you are doing it. It doesn't matter how you do it. What matters is with the heart and the right attitude. Father, let's pray. And I want you to pray in your own words to the Lord. I've just given you an example how I do it. So exercise your faith. Give the Lord words. Remember how the Lord has blessed you in your life. How good He is to you and to your family. And the things that He has done in your life so far. And bless him. Father, we bless you today and we consider it such a privilege and an honor, dear Lord, to come to you today and offer our gifts to you and say, Father, we honor you, we value you, we appreciate you, and we love you because everything comes from you. And what we give today is from what you already have given to us. So we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. And Father, we value the person and the people who work behind the scenes in this ministry, those who work behind the scenes on the computer to bring us the Word of God, those who minister the Word, we value them, we appreciate them. And today, Father God, we give you thanks for each one of them. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. 
thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.